Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. All right. Uh, we are going to get to open up just some dynamic words from God this morning. And it's such a privilege that each Sunday when we come together, the word of God has a central place in our gathering. We come and we sing and we lift our hearts up and we also expect that God's going to speak to us. And he does it securely and profoundly through the scriptures. And as he does, I'm just struck because I know how I've been preparing for this week and for the next nine months. And I know Pam has no idea what direction the sermon series is going to go for the next several weeks. Tim, he's one of the elders. He has a clue where we're going, but he's responding in the moment of this morning. And I know, Tim, he's not thinking to himself, what's John saying this week and what are we going to be preaching for the next few months? He's just responding in the moment. And as they've brought these significant urges to us from the Lord, I'm struck that God's breathing to us about an overall direction and about the kind of people he's forming us into. And so uh, bear with me as we continue, because I wanted to give you a little context from my family, uh, a little bit of story, and then set us in a direction for what's probably going to be the next nine months or so in our preaching so we can soak in something that as leaders we believe God's saying to us as a church. Um, but I wanted to, to mention, it, it, I know many of you are aware, some of you may not be aware, I have the privilege of being married to Karen, and it happens that in addition to her being all around awesome in so many ways, she is also a medical doctor. And that, well, that makes for some interesting dynamics in our family. Uh, some of you who have medical professionals in your family may recognize some of what that's like. It, it can be a little bit like this sometimes. Right, that, that a nurse's perspective, a doctor's perspective on what's really an emergency is like not normal. And, yeah, and so we live with that and we do well with that. Um, we're kind of used to her and she takes great care of us. I'm joking about that. But I, I, do f- I have the privilege of having like this box seat to working with, living with an amazing woman, a medical doctor, to be, to be struck by given how much respect I have for Karen's wisdom and her expertise, look, I find it remarkable how many people will come and see her in her office and pay for the privilege of hearing what she's got to say about the problem and situation and need that they've come for. And she gives them this wisdom and insight and direction about how to get better and how to get healthy. And they pay their money. And do you know what they do? They go out and they don't do it. Like, are you kidding me? Like, there was, time doesn't permit too many stories, but like there was, there was this patient that she had a while back uh, who was diabetic, had high blood pressure, middle-aged older man, and, uh, and he would come so faithfully, uh, in fact, Sarah would want me to say religiously, to his appointments, uh, and he would always be there. And Karen would say, well, what you'd expect. He was on medication for his high blood pressure, for his diabetes. And she would say, listen, a pill cannot fix everything else you're putting in your mouth. Diet and exercise are going to be essential for you to actually become healthy. And so she'd say, like, coming home from a hard day's work 
and just sitting on the couch, it's making you sick. Yeah, and so she's talking to him like this. She's saying these things. And he would, yes, doctor, you're right. I agree. Okay. And do you know what happens by the next appointment? Yeah, it's like when we go to the dentist and they ask if we've lost. Right? And nothing has changed. And he comes back and he's expecting to hear this. And she's saying the same thing. Listen, at a certain point, she had to say to him, you need to find a different doctor because this is not working for you. I can't make you healthy when you don't do what I say. Does that make sense? I mean, it, but this is what, what happens. And going to the doctor's office doesn't make you healthy all by itself. We've got to do what we're taught if we want things to change. And, and I was expecting at this point to kind of just leave that as a soft point. And Sarah said, no, if you're going to teach, you have to be really direct. So let me be really direct. Coming to church is not the solution. And saying, I believe in Jesus and not doing what he says is not what believing in Jesus really means. Can we pray? Lord, would you help us, please? Help us, Lord, to be people who hear your words and put them into practice. In your name, amen. You see, we're beginning a series that we uh, are going to be digging into, going face to face with the things Jesus has to say about what does it mean? What's it look like in practice to live out the principles of the kingdom, to put it into practice? And as Pam said, you know what? It's not what we say that's going to mold and shape and turn our children into faithful adults. It's the things we do that actually teach. The same is true for a world that's crying out for the hope and life that can only be found in Jesus and looks at the church in America primarily as a bunch of blowhard hypocrites who don't look or act a lot like Jesus. And so we're going to be digging into what, what is affectionately called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it's Matthew's basically chapters 5 through 7. And, and we're going to take enough time as we go through these months to look at what's it look like to actually live this and be people who do it. And in kind of a backwards way, this morning, um, I'm not starting at the beginning. The beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, people have crowded around Jesus. Thousands of people coming as he's healing the sick. And he goes up on a mountainside to teach. And the crowds come and he says to his disciples, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to start at the beginning next week. I'm going to start backwards this week at his conclusion to the discourse on the mount in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 29. I invite you to turn there with me, please. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. is like what kind of person? That's a wise person right there. Who did what? On the rock, which is wise because you don't have to mow the grass. No, no, it's talking about what? It's the foundation, right? It's not the view he's talking about. It's the foundation who built his house on the rock. And why does that matter? Next sentence. The rain came down. And when the rain comes down, what happens to the streams? The streams come up and the wind blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall 
because it had its foundation on the rock. Hooray! But Jesus isn't done. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like what kind of person? Foolish person. Say to your neighbor, foolish. It's kind of fun because normally Jesus says, don't tell your neighbor that they're a fool. But here's a case where Jesus says that to you and me if we do what? If we hear his word and don't do anything with it, right? What's that man like? He's a foolish man who built his house where? I thought beachfront was popular. Jesus says foolish. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. You notice both kinds of people have heard the same thing and face the same situation. But there's a different outcome. What happens to this second house? It fell down with what? With a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one with what? With what? Okay, so what's that mean in practice? Okay, if the one teaching has authority, what should we do with our listening? Pay attention. Take it in. Recognize that the words have weight. He taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You know, Jesus broke onto the scene. It was so different than all the other voices people were listening to. Yeah, and people even today, we give weight to certain voices that come through, sometimes because they're fresh and they're saying things that people aren't saying before. But there, there's so many thousands of people for whom, uh, for example, Oprah you know, would be a voice that they listen to and they feel like, oh, this has authority. For some, uh, it might be Sean Hannity. You know, there's voices that we give authority and weight to in what they're saying. What a shame that we can become so familiar with the very words of Jesus and not hear the authority as well as the words. Because here's the bottom line for us, and it's not just for today. It's not just a day for fasting. It is an ongoing lifestyle for us. Here's the reality. Putting Jesus's words into practice, that's foundational, not extra. It's not a bonus extra for really serious Christians or spiritual people or those homeschoolers or people who have a lot of extra time. It's the foundation for you and for me. And if that means that you or I need to revise our understanding of what it means to believe, then be quick and diligent to do that. Because believing in Jesus is not an intellectual agreement. It's a lifestyle that gets worked out in how we behave and act. You know, our culture has trended more towards having a, what we might call a general belief in belief than the specific focus on the truth of what Jesus has to say. And Jesus, when he comes on the scene, he's not calling people to just believe in some generic sense or some spiritual sense. Here's what he's doing. He's announcing the arrival of the kingdom of heaven here on earth in his person. And because the king has arrived, this kingdom has arrived with him. 
And the kingdom that has come in Jesus is now available to men and women from every language and nation, every socioeconomic category, whether you're educated or not educated, whether you have advantages or whether you are oppressed. This kingdom is accessible and available because Jesus has come. And he's proclaiming that this kingdom that has arrived will someday come in its complete fullness. And that believing in Jesus means that we live today for that day of the kingdom coming in its fullness. And so if you and I think of, like, sometimes we even use this phrase, like our spiritual life. We use that in conversation with each other. We talk about our spiritual life. If we think of our spiritual life as this separate component that's somehow different from real life, we're not thinking like Jesus thinks. Because Jesus doesn't add or insert the word spiritual alongside life. For Jesus, it's all about our whole life. It's part of what makes the Sermon on the Mount both so relevant and so challenging for us. Because when Jesus comes on the scene, the distinctions between spiritual and real just disappear because he's Lord of all of it. And Jesus is talking about every area of our life being part of eternity, not just some particular bits. And when Jesus comes, he calls us to follow him. He's calling us to live as his apprentices, to say what it means to believe in him is to hear what he says, to start doing it, to start imitating Jesus. And we're going to see in a little bit that he calls that the same thing as doing the will of his father in heaven. And so that's what we're going to dive into for these next several months together. And and as we do that, it, it should, it should challenge us. If we've been believers and Christians for a long time, it's a call to get back to fundamentals and to say, let's make sure that we haven't left behind the foundation. Let's make sure we're the people who do the basics well. For some of us, these words of Jesus may be brand new to you. That's fantastic. We want this to be a community of faith where we find one another taking them seriously and actually doing them. Uh, my daughter runs on the Crown Point cross-country team for, at the high school, uh, and it, we're right in the middle of cross-country season. Uh, they're sectional champions, by the way. They just won sectional championship yesterday. Uh, and we also give, we give rides to school for one of the other girls in our neighborhood that's also at the high school, about Elizabeth's age. And, and we have some interesting conversations in the car uh, going. And, and so uh, this other girl in our neighborhood uh, was saying that she knows almost all of the girls on Elizabeth's cross-country team. And she was talking about how um, she, she was on the cross-country team when she was in middle school as a sixth grader, as a seventh grader, not as an eighth grader, now not in high school, but then. And she said this, she said, I'm a runner too. But here's the fact. She doesn't run. She doesn't actually run. I mean, if she's late for the bus, she may run a little bit. But she identified in her mind, she says, I'm a runner too, despite the fact that it's been more than two years since she was actually running in any consistent way. All of these girls on the team that she knows, that she's friends with, they're runners. And by saying they're runners, I mean they're out six days a week, rain or shine, running mile after mile after mile. And I just want to caution us, you know, because many times we can say, yeah, I'm a Christian or I follow Jesus, but it's really our, our life that answers that question. 
Am I or am I not? Was it just something I really was doing some years ago? I'm still mentally identifying myself at? Jesus is coming and saying, everyone who hears these words of mine falls into one of two categories. There's ones who put them into practice and there's ones who don't. Now, here's the fact for all of us. We put some of them into practice and some of them we don't. None of us is an all or nothing categorization there. And Jesus's point is not in this passage to sift us or to find the threshold. Okay, if you're like at 67% implementation, then you're good. But if you're at like 34%, then you're a failure. That's, that's not how he's categorizing it. It's an emphasis that we have to take to heart, which is this. It's about doing what he says, not just saying, amen, that's good, I agree, and then living without change. Does that make sense? Amen. And so let's recognize the weight of his words. He teaches with authority. And so when we're saying, yes, Jesus, you are Lord, what that means in practice is, I will go do what you say. And this is one of the ways that Jesus is teaching so different than our ability to select what media messages we listen to and pay attention to. Because Jesus' words, they challenge us personally, they go to the heart, and they don't leave out various areas of our lives. And so let's just grab hold of the first verse in, in, in verse, sorry, first word in verse 24 which is therefore, therefore. Why is there, what's the therefore, therefore? Uh, to catch what's he building on in this point, let's push rewind. Let's run back to verse 15 and catch it back up to verse 23 because that's the running start to saying, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. And what Jesus says back in verse 15 is watch out. Be on your guard. Be careful. Be discerning about what you listen to and who you admire. He says, watch out for the false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. How am I going to tell? Jesus, how am I going to know? He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? Yes or no? Do, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, verse 20, thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will come to me on that day, and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Jesus is saying our lives reveal our faith or lack of it. He says the fruit that's evident in our lives demonstrates the reality of the root that we have. You know, the good news about Jesus Christ proclaims that you and I, we are saved not by works, but by what Jesus has already done. 
We're saved by the faith that we place, the trust that we place in Jesus Christ. But the kind of faith that actually saves us, that what legitimate, real trust and surrender to Jesus looks like is a life that does the things he said and bears the fruit of that faith. And so there is a misinterpretation out there and it's painfully attractive that, that says that our lifestyle doesn't really matter as long as we believe in Jesus. Friends, that's a dangerous deception because our lifestyles are the evidence of what we actually believe. Or another way of saying that is your life, your lifestyle is your doctrinal statement. It's what demonstrates what you and I actually believe. And so if there's no evidence of fruit in our lives that looks like the things Jesus says, then Jesus questions whether you really have saving faith. And so we're urging one another to be a community that presses each other into greater faith and obedience to Jesus. To, to when we see a brother or sister living in what we may call radical, but may just be simple obedience to things that Jesus says, that we don't compartmentalize those folks. Well, that, that's really special for them, but we let that be a provocation and challenge for our own lives. I mean, the way Anna did that this morning shows exactly the kind of heart I'm trying to get across. Because when, when kids were coming forward to put money in the offering, there was something about that example that she allowed to touch her own heart and say, I have been complaining about things that I'm actually blessed with. And she let the example of just the obedience and the faith of little children speak into her heart. We should all be like that, willing to take that in. And so let's take a, a look at what Jesus is really pointing towards as he sums up his sermon this way. Because Jesus is not just saying, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, like the wise man who builds his house on a rock, because when the storms come, that house is going to stand, right? He is not just saying, make sure you do what I say so that you're, the life you're building here and now can withstand the challenges that are ordinary to life here and now. He's not just talking about the challenges that we have with our teenagers, with the economy, with our own health in this life. This is not Jesus's prescription just for standing in the storms of life. This is Jesus's declaration of what is necessary to stand in the day of judgment. That's what the therefore is there for. Because these preceding verses are saying, there is a day that is coming where Jesus himself has the authority to say, come in, welcome to the kingdom of my father, or to say, away with you, I never knew you. Brothers and sisters, that's why his words to us have such authority. That's why the teachings that Jesus is bringing matter so much to us, because our Christology, our understanding of Jesus could not be higher. He is the one, with a capital O, the one and only, who rules heaven and earth and who's brought this kingdom to earth for us. And he's inviting us, he's calling us, come live in the reality of this kingdom. And so when Jesus declares how we can enter into reward, he's talking about not just today and tomorrow, 
He's talking about that day, a coming day where he says in verse 22, many will say to me on that day, and faith, what faith is doing, the reason the therefore is here is that our lives today are lived in light of that day. And what believing means for you and me is that we live today in the reality that King Jesus is on his throne. And there is a coming day that shapes and creates the standards for what I value, what I pursue, what I'm willing to do, what I'm willing to give up, what I say yes to, what I say no to on Thursday and on Saturday and on Tuesday every week. So as we look at the the teachings of Jesus here in Matthew, please don't mistake his teachings as merely being ethical about our behavior towards other people here and now. Receive them and recognize that they are messianic. They are the declaration of the kingdom of which he is the king. These aren't simply, hey, let's polish up our lives and act a bit better and hopefully we'll get God's approval. We're gonna see that this is a manifesto of heaven's kingdom that has arrived and that we are continuing to express as it grows here on earth. And as we do that, we are living for that day. And brothers and sisters, the things Jesus teaches in these chapters, it only makes sense. Or another way to say it, it completely does not make sense unless we see it in light of that day. Because otherwise, why turn the other cheek when someone slaps you? Otherwise, how in the world can it make sense to not oppose a wicked man when he wants to take your own things? And how in the world can the Beatitudes that you now see up on the walls, which by the way, thank you, Isaac. Thank you, Julie Wildman have worked together to help us with some visuals for this. As we see these, how can the persecuted be blessed? How can it be blessed to mourn? It makes sense only in light of the kingdom that King Jesus has brought. And so in light of that, this needs to soak in for us. It's obedience to Jesus, not the titles we give him that are decisive and essential. Doing the will of the Father in heaven looks like hearing Jesus's words and putting them into practice. The people who do the will of the Father, who are they? Jesus says, they're the people who are found doing my words and putting them in practice. What I just did there was contrast verses 21 through 23 with verses 24 through 28 and say Jesus is saying the same thing in two different ways here. Verses 21 through 23, he contrasts saying and doing and 24 through 27, he's contrasting hearing and doing, but he's saying the same thing. Only he who does the will of my father in heaven, he who hears my words and puts them into practice. Brothers and sisters, believing is not something we just do in a moment. It is an ongoing lifestyle of obedience to Jesus and his teaching. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice can also be translated, will become like a man who's built his house on a rock. It says is like, but the tense there can mean, signify, this is the person who's becoming the wise man who's built his house on a rock. You know, knowing the theory, it's not enough. We got to actually practice to do it. Um, I was I was talking to Corey a little while back, joking with him that I, I know how to play the guitar. I do actually. Um, you may also. It's, it doesn't seem that complicated, right? You put the strap over, 
you, you hold it kind of like this, right? And the left hand goes up here and it pushes down some of these strings. And then your other hand, it, it does this cool thing like this. Right? Oh, I, I forgot the look cool part. Right? Now, come on. Do I know how to play the guitar? I do not know how to play the guitar. Because the theory is not the same as being able to do it. If I want to actually play the guitar, what am I going to need to do? I'm going to need to practice. Probably should take some lessons. Probably going to have to change my habits and make some time every day to get this hand to know what my head tells it it's supposed to do. Guys, the things that have been most transformational for me in my walk with Jesus have been the times where I have been challenged to actually put into practice Bible verses that I already had memorized, which is kind of an uncomfortable admission. But I remember, see, I put my faith and trust in Jesus as a high school student, and thank God for that. It probably kept me out of all kinds of trouble. And went away to university. And there I found in a, a fellowship of, of other Christians. Oh, my goodness. I had, I had been so enthusiastic about memorizing Bible verses as a high school student, in part because I'm, you know, I'm just intellectually wired that way. And uh, I think my phrase was, I'm an academic head case. And, and so I loved memorizing Bible verses. I got away to university, and there were these upperclassmen. They were like, doing Bible verses that I had memorized. It's like, whoa, I actually need to start doing this. And it was a real pull-up-my-socks moment for me and my faith. And, and then I graduated from university, and I was feeling pretty good about where my discipleship was at. But when I graduated from university, I moved to Sri Lanka, which is off the coast of India. And I, I lived there with believers who didn't have, you know, an inch of the education that I had had, but they were putting into practice the teachings of Jesus as a minority population, as Christians as a minority within a primarily Buddhist culture uh, under persecution, and they were boldly willing to share the good news about Jesus Christ. No, the reality here is not in how much I know from the neck up. It's what's getting worked out in our lives. And then, again, as Pam mentioned that my wife and I, with our kids, we spent some time living in Southern Africa as well. And, and living there in Zambia, I was so challenged by the simple way that people who have so much less than we have, materially, advantages, other things, were doing so much better a job than me at actually rejoicing in the Lord always, praying continually, and, and giving thanks in all circumstances. I want to invite you to a lifelong journey of following Jesus, putting his words into practice and becoming more and more like him through his Holy Spirit. I put it as an invitation. It doesn't come from me fundamentally. It's the call and invitation of Jesus to come and follow. But we have to pause and say, am I saying yes to Jesus? Because this is what it looks like. I want to invite you to replace a believism with discipleship and let Jesus do the longer work of transformation in your own life that can only come as you willingly conform your perspective and your practice to his own. Because I want to invite you to embrace this proclamation of the kingdom that says heaven is broken in to earth and it changes the price tags and the values 
of everything that's in front of us. He's overturned the powers of this age and he comes to align us correctly with heaven's values. I want to invite you to be part of a community of people who are willing to press forward, to seek, to live out the values of this kingdom as a culture. So we're going to live in a gospel culture, a kingdom culture together so that there's a proclamation of the good news to all people that isn't in words only, but can be seen visibly in our lifestyles together. And that may mean, yes, I want to invite you to come off cruise control. If you've just been kind of going through it and saying, yep, I believe I'm doing it and to live for Jesus wholeheartedly and let him challenge you about areas that you've not brought into line with things he says. That's the invitation. You know, part of how we'll do that, uh, next slide if we could, is by looking at what Jesus has to say and taking the time to learn how to practice these kingdom principles in real life ways. Uh, And as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see that there's this new perspective of what it really looks like or means to be blessed. That we've been brought by Jesus into a new identity. And how, how we actually live that out matters. When it comes to seeking God, we're going to learn about actually living in a way that puts God's, God's reward, not what other people think, first and foremost in what we do. We're going to be digging into just Jesus' own approach to holiness that it seems so different than the religious mentality. Jesus talks all about being pure in heart rather than being rule keepers in how we do things. We want to practice investing in heaven. It's what we were doing this morning, where we give that will, in ways that we'll never get a tangible return on ourselves. And the return on investment for our, for our money is not found just in this life, but stores up treasure in heaven. And then lastly, how does this kingdom change how we do relationships to bring heaven into the real world relationships that we have? So there's not a single magic key take home item this morning. There's this invitation to hear the words of Jesus and to put them into practice. And I'd like to to challenge us about how we do that in these three areas, to learn to hear, to receive, and to do. And this can't be just a fast for a day. It's got to be the foundation for our lifestyle as we go forward, that, that we hear the words of Jesus. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he says, hear the words of Jesus. Take the time to listen, to read, to take, to take in the words that Jesus has to say. Secondly, slow down enough to receive them. Slow down enough for them to penetrate. Pause and and let yourself be challenged and say, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Why would I do that? And instead of writing it off, pause to pull it in and let it consciously change your perspective and thinking. And thirdly, put it into practice. Hear them, receive them, and do them. And as we do that, you'll see that it's about the head and the heart and ultimately making its way out in our hands. What we're able to do right now in in blessing our brothers and sisters and the neighboring communities in Zimbabwe with clean water is part of how we're becoming the hands of Jesus to folks. But it only happens because we heard it, we let it touch our hearts, and then get expressed in actual action. Does that make sense? And so here's a question that you can take with you 
challenge yourself with through the week to say, what am I doing today that I'm only doing because of something Jesus said? What's going on in my day-to-day in the way I see things, the way I respond to people and choices that I make that really I'm only going to do this because of something Jesus said? You know, faith that we can see where we, where we just see it, it's like obvious, oh yeah, of course I'm going to be nice to, be nice to him. He's my boss. Um, it's not faith. But where the words of Jesus shape, skew, alter the way we behave, we're touching heaven. What am I doing today? Only because Jesus said so. Does that make sense? And so uh, we're going to be receiving communion together now. And it's a moment for us uh, in general to pause and take in what heaven has to say, to give thanks, to proclaim again that Jesus is central to our lives, to our hopes, to all that we live for. So do this morning. I invite you to respond freshly to Jesus with this all in surrender. Say, well, Jesus, all the words you have to say, each one of them matters for me. So Lord, in some areas, I'm doing okay. I'm trying to put it into practice. Other areas I've neglected. None of us get it 100%. But let's say, Jesus, take me farther. Not just for this morning, not just so I can pray during the time. To say, I'm willing to get consistent over this next year so that 12 months from now, the world sees a different person. My kids see a different dad. That there's a reality of my faith that's being expressed. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, Lord, I want those two words to be enough to say it all from my own heart, Lord. Lord Jesus, my King, my Savior, my owner. Lord, thank you for coming. Thank you for saving. Thank you for giving your own life to take on yourself the punishment for all of my sins, to bring me into this kingdom where you say I'm accepted, I'm your child, and I'm beloved. Lord, I pray myself that my lifestyle every day would demonstrate that kingdom and not everything else that the world says I should live by. Lord, I pray that your words would come to each of us with weight, not just today, God, but in how we hear you day after day. So, Lord, we'd be the visible demonstration of heaven's lifestyle here on earth. 